You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle, and joined as I always am on Fridays, by Sean Shapiro of EP Ringside, also of Shap Shots. You can reach him at, at Sean Shapiro on Twitter. I like to refer to him as the NHL guru. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing pretty well myself. It's a, it's a Friday. It's uh, I'm getting caught up on some things, taking some time to talk hockey with you. I can't complain. Yeah, first world hockey problems coming from me. Mm-hmm. I've seen way too much West Coast hockey. I'm ready to come home. And I was home. These late nights, I mean, it's so, like, for instance, and I know, I mean, listen, you you have to cater to the home market. But at the same time, a 9.30 start last night. So, you know, stars play really well. Wedgwood comes up big. And I just look at some of the biggest games this year, two of which who have had football conflicts, and then now they play again. They play well last night, but it's at 9.30. How many people are actually watching it's like, oh God, I need this team in prime with nothing else going on so that some passive hockey fans in DFW can see actually how well this team is playing. Yeah, it's the nature of, um, it's the unfortunate nature of being the central, being being in the central time zone in the Western Conference of, of how things shake out that way. Like at least, um, and obviously this is even worse for Eastern Conference teams when they go West, like uh like last night, there was it would have been on the East Coast. It would have been a ten thirty start, but at least Eastern Conference teams only make one uh, one trip there. You don't get two trips to California like this, like you do within the division, like the Stars do within the same conference, like the Stars do. Uh, but it's it's just from a nature of kind of of the game, and and like that's a game last night that if it's in earlier more prime time get more viewership and it just kind of probably got lost right now in the general discourse of the season and everything like that and a little bit earlier we're probably talking about it more so i uh i'm i'm with you i'm i'm ready for i'm ready for like a good like noon start like give me like complete opposite <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, absolutely it was great to see scott wedgwood um, I, I'm going to say bounce back because honestly, the last few games, Sean, um, I thought, you know, I mean, I thought Carolina, he was okay, but you know, let up a bunch of goals. I thought he came up big at some times, but at other times I thought Calgary, he struggled. And, um, so it was good to see him come up, especially coming off a loss. And I know you as a goalie can speak to this. You know, psychologically, that's a big game. If they come back from this road trip 0-2, and they have lost some games recently, so nice little momentum shift with your backup goaltender. And not even just from the team perspective, with with Wedgwood, he goes back to, he hadn't won a game 
since December 13th. Um, it was in, uh, in New Jersey, played pretty well in that one back on December 13th. Um, and before that, his last win before that had been like November 28th. And he had three regular, I'm looking at it right now. He's got, he had two losses in overtime, one loss in overtime, one loss in a shootout, two regulation losses. And as much as um, you're happy with the team winning and you understand how things work, like it's vital to, to not be as a backup goalie for both his psyche and the rest of the team psyche. You don't want the team or anyone to look around and think, okay, the backup goalie game is a loss. And I don't think the stars were at that concept, but all of a sudden you string together four losses. If they lost last night, you string four losses in a row from the last time you played and you're starting to the point where it's been six weeks, two months, whatever, since he last won a game, it starts to become this, this thing that, um, this thing that you have to deal with more and more and becomes an outside conversation. And it just kind of, this kind of just puts a stopgap on that and gives Wedgwood the, 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 the refresh, the reset he needed. And, um, it kind of helps, uh, when, when Jake Ottinger is playing multiple games in a row, which, which he should, which he should play and everything like that. But, it's not like you're doing it. It's 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 it can still be the conversation of Jake's playing so well. We have to play him. It's not well. We can't play the other guy. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. All right, multiple choice question for Sean Shapiro coming off last night, and this is why I love doing the program with Sean, and this is why I love doing the program because I'm I'm trying to ask the questions that I think Stars fans think about. I know I think about Tyler Sagan with two goals last night. A, keep him on the first line when Rope Hintz returns. B, put him back on the second line, hope the momentum continues, added peace possibly at the trade deadline. Or three, back to normal and just hope that it uh, continues or Hintz moves to the second line. And the reason I say that is I'm going to give you my opinion. Um, Right now, I, I love Rupe Hints on that first line, and I think you go back to that, although I will say it's nice to see it seems as though when pieces get put in that there can still be that first-line scoring punch. And I love, I don't want to say the renewed Tyler Sagan, but, you know, I love, I mean, that snapshot last night was like vintage old Tyler Sagan. Yeah, I would go. So my answer on this is a twofold answer. Okay. Um, I would go with option. I would, I would option B. I would move Tyler back to the second line and it's mm-hmm. not against Tyler's production. I think the, the first, I don't, when Rope Hintz comes back, when a guy comes back from injury, I don't want him worrying about coming back from injury and resuscitating another line. I want him to go back into his spot so he can just worry about being Rope Hints again and playing with Pavelski and Robertson. Uh, if you were going to keep Sagan on the first line, it'd be like, okay, do we keep, do we do we bump one of the other guys down to try to get some, but I, I wouldn't move Hints down. I want Hints back with Pavelski and uh, with at least Pavel, with, with at least with Pavelski or at least with Robertson. So my answer is, this, is for that reason. And as I play lineup card in my head, I move Sagan down to the second line and where my concept comes from that is that way you give Sagan kind of this renewed responsibility to kind of, Hey, you were doing it with the one line. 
drive this second line for us. Can you do that for us? And maybe we'll go get you some help uh, at the trade deadline. Hopefully they do. And I also think looking at the way, looking at how Sagan's been scoring some goals, I think it's the type of confidence that's not based off of playing with Pavelski and Robertson. I think it's self-driven. Um, you talk about the the shot last night. Um, I actually, it's a great, I'm so happy to use the word vintage. So literally I, I, in the piece this morning over at Shop Shots, I did kind of my breakdown of like, how did that go in looking at everything? And Sagan, that was kind of one of those vintage Sagan reason he's paid as much as he has moments where the game is kind of it's a broken play out of nowhere. That that's like a superstar type moment where you pick your spot, you pick that top corner. And I think that's driven out of confidence and that chance. While obviously you get more chances like that with Pavelski and Robertson because of how well they told the puck, the goals Sagan scored last night can be scored on a second line. They can be scored even on a third line. Obviously Tyler's not going to third line, but I, I look at, okay, let's see if we can use this as the bump that gets Tyler going to drive his own second line. And, oh, by the way, maybe we bring that other guy in at the deadline that kind of, that kind of, that that can, that can slide in and fit with him as well. So that, that's, that would be, that's my opinion on how uh, to, to answer your question on that one. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Spits and Suds. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle on 105.3 The Fan. Two instances happened last night, and I haven't really asked you about this. So early in the game, Rope Hance caught a stick, cut him open, no call. Uh, sorry, my bad. Radic Foxa. Did I say Rope Hance? Radic Foxa yeah. caught yeah. a stick and went to the bench, and a very vocal Radic Foxa when he was on the bench followed by a very vocal uh, Pete DeBoer. And the replay clearly showed that it was a stick that came up. Later in the game, Jamie Benn draws a high stick, but Puck was, uh, Puck was made contact. So my question is, is do you feel as though high sticking along with delay of game, which we've seen, should join offsides as far as reviewable plays. I, I personally think, uh, and, and I've talked about my my view of replay before. I think replay is good, but I think it needs to be a little bit more nuanced. I think there needs to be a time limit on if you can't make the decision, if the league office can't make a definitive decision within a minute or whatever of the a view in the video, then it should just go as is. That's kind of always been my view on it. I don't mind 
adding high sticking to this. I don't mind. I mean, high sticking, one of the weird things about high sticking is um, you can review something for, you can review something to turn a minor into a major. You can't really review something that turns a nothing in, that turns nothing into a minor. And I think that's where we start to get into this tricky territory because where where's what's the line on throwing challenges on judgment calls? Because I, I kind of get a little bit worried about what it opens up. I, I really like your your idea in theory, but we, we we have to storyboard and we have to figure out where the line is because I don't want this to open up the space where someone's like, well, there was a trip or a cross check on this play. I don't. I don't want to get into a spot where people start throwing challenge flags uh, on a goal in a close game because they're like, "Okay, well, we might as well." So I like your idea in theory. I just think there needs to be. We need the rules have to be written in a certain way where it's only. It, it's got to be. It's like maybe maybe that's a job we give to the concussion spotter. Honestly, Gavin, I don't yeah. know. If we have the concussion spotter whose job is to protect player health and watch their heads. Maybe that's the job we give to the concussion spotter. Maybe that's the, a job where it becomes okay. Hey, there's a high stick. You can, but it's got to come from the outside. Like right, like someone who's not. I, I think that's just. I, I like the the idea in theory. I like the idea of getting it right. I just want to make sure we don't go too far down the path of people throwing challenge flags. Um, and, and cause this is something where you bring this idea and it's great to talk about from a player safety perspective, but like anything, eventually it gets start to gets morphed into a, uh, schematic strategy thing. And I don't want it to become that. Or do you give the linesman more power? I, mean, I think that's fair. That's one way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I think that's possible. I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it, but I think you have this. I, I think this is an idea that's worth exploring more than some other ideas that people bring up sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've I've always wanted to ask you. I mean, I, I, your knowledge is so vast as far as it, and I, I'm just asking the questions. I haven't looked into this. Has the NHL ever thought about expanding linesman duties? I mean, I mean, we see it in the we see it in the NFL with you know, how many referees are there. I just find it interesting that the linesmen are limited in their calls. That's a good question. And I should just, I'll probably have to ask about that. Okay. Just to be honest, that's something. Yeah. To, it's, it so. just popped in the top of my head. So, so, yeah. all right. So, you know, lose one in San Jose, tough loss up by three. I told Craig yesterday, um, one of the reasons that I didn't panic after that game, Sean, is because I think the statistics tell us after three meetings that San Jose is just a bad matchup for the Stars, and that happens in hockey. You look at, now, I remember we talked about this game. The Stars came off a successful road trip. San Jose was next, and they got beat on home ice. Then they play the New Year's game, and it was a one-goal game um, until late in the third period. And I thought San Jose played really well in that game. And then the stars just exploded. And then we see what happened in San Jose. The good news is San Jose is no longer on the schedule. But am I fair in that assessment that sometimes it's just a bad matchup? And this year could be the case with San Jose. And by the way, my love of Eric Carlson has gone up. I mean, you're right about the Miro trade. It wouldn't have been a good trade. But, 
man, when he's healthy, he's just a fun guy to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't know as much as bad matchup or it's just kind of, it's just kind of a funny small sample size of how mm-hmm. it happened. Honestly, I just, I just think it's something where I wouldn't read too much. I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, it's the, the game blowing the lead the other night and everything that to me isn't exactly the same as the other game. And to me, that's not dependent on how the opponent was. So I, I think San Jose was a good, if San Jose was a good team and a team that you actually may have to see again later this season, maybe we break it down a little bit more, but just because the nature of where they are in the standings and, and everything like that, I would just, I would kind of just say, okay, let's flush and move on. So okay. <laughs> with the Sharks, just because like that, that's kind of honestly how I look at it because that team is going to be completely different next year. It's in the middle of a effectively a rebuild and all of that stuff. And I, I'm just, it's kind of hard to put too much into worrying about the Sharks right now. And I take so much more out of what the Stars did in the second game of a back-to-back against a good Kings team. That to me tells me more about the Stars team than what, than blowing a lead in San Jose does. Okay. And next up, the Arizona Coyotes, who have been playing better since um, their slow start to start the year. Um, The last few games, lost to the Jets by a goal, beat the Red Wings at home. And uh, then last night got shut out by the Caps in Arizona. So they come to Dallas uh, tomorrow night. What pieces do you see on this Arizona team that you could see moving at the deadline? Hmm. Let's. I mean, Chikrin's going to be the talk. Yeah, that's always going to be the the first one's always going to be there. I'm pulling up as we're doing this for full disclosure, people. I'm pulling up the Coyotes cap friendly page. So I have the full reference in front of me i mean because if i'm the coyotes it's a spot where i start looking at like you look at the the picks that they've um that they've built up they're just going to continue shopping for that the coyotes already have for next year well this year they only have this year they only have seven picks but they have an additional third rounder 2024 draft the coyotes have one two three four five, six, seven. They have eight picks in the first three rounds in 2024 wow. already. And in 2025, the Coyotes, Coyotes already have five picks, six picks in the first three rounds. So the Coyotes are clearly building up for to just kind of throw throw every single pick at the wall over the next couple of years and see what fits as they, as they uh, continue to move forward. So Looking at that, kind of seeing their plan, this feels like a little bit of a, unless the Coyotes win the draft lottery, like I think there's one thing that changes for the Coyotes and it won't impact this in season moves, but if the Coyotes win the draft lottery and they win the chance to draft Connor Bedard, I think it changes everything. I think whoever wins the number one pick and gets to draft Bedard will will change their, their tune no matter what. Um, but this season, in season, you look at a player like, it's hard to see anything that's that's not nailed down won't be on the table. Um, Nick Ritchie to me is a guy who's a UFA making 2.5 million. He's 27. He's the type of guy who I could see getting moved in season for another pick because a team will say, Hey, we'd like to add a depth winger who's had some pop before um, you go through, you look at Nick Bugstad, even like, very low cap hit. He's 30 years old. Teams want to add that veteran guy who in, in a cap tight league and he's making less than a million. He's a UFA. 
flip him for a fifth round pick. Um, you look at even, I mean, the ones that just, I don't, I don't see them finding the right deal for those bigger names, the Clayton Kellers, the Nick Schbaltz, the Lawson Cruises, but even those guys are at a spot where unless the Coyotes win the draft lottery, they're already at a spot where their contract, they're, they're kind of in a spot where they could be, they might not be around for the time this team hits, hits the turn. So I, I think all of these, all of these kind of pieces for the Coyotes are on are on are on the table. Um, Chitrin is going to be the big one who I think is, is probably the biggest name that gets moved. Um, but it's 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 the I I would love someone to someone maybe I should do it too. We should take a screen grab of the Coyotes roster on like February first and then see what it looks like on March first because yeah. I would imagine. I would imagine we should also take a screen grab of the Tucson Roadrunners uh, roster on on <laughs> February first and March first and see and, and and play that game of uh, it's like that uh that uh office meme we need yeah. you, corporate needs you to find the difference between these two pictures like yeah <laughs> no you're you're absolutely right <laughs> that's funny all right two quickies before I let you go um, Montreal uh, Mr Hughes the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens uh, habitants. Uh, came out and said that Cole Caulfield will be a part of their future. I would think so. Um, yes. So looking at the contracts, uh, because Cole Caulfield is a restricted free agent after this year, his entry-level deal is up, Nick Suzuki just makes under $8 million a year for them at 7.8. This is one of the emerging superstars in our league in Caulfield. Could we see a restricted free agent? Two part question, Sean. Could we see a restricted free agent go around nine or ten million, or are we going to settle at the eight to eight point five with him? And then the other question is: Is will we see something that never happens? A team make a run at a restricted free agent? Because I just think that would make the league so much better if that happened. I love silly well, seasons like that. Well, it is the Montreal Canadiens and the Canadians and the Carolina Hurricanes have yes. been their tit for fit for tit for tat offer sheet stuff in the past. So if uh if there was an offer sheet involved with the Montreal Canadiens and it can't I it would not like honestly, I don't think Carolina has the cap space to actually do this one this time, but you know, Knowing Tom Dundon and knowing how he feels about things, it wouldn't surprise me if there's part of him that wants to throw an offer sheet at Cole Caulfield already. Uh, I, I think you look at Montreal and you look at the long-term build and you look at the plan. You have, and they're using a ton of long-term IR right now too. They got almost $20 million in LTIR right now between Sean Monahan and Paul Byron and Carey Price. And at least... Uh, and so at least you have uh, Byron and Monahan come off the books after this year. So you get a lot of space that opens up. Um, I would personally, I look at kind of paying players now and, and primes and everything like that. If you can get Caulfield um, on a Jason Robertson type deal, like I wonder if Caulfield looks at kind of the Robertson deal and sees if that's kind of his model, the four years I'm kind of betting on myself and I'm still getting that big R that big RFA qualifying offer at the end or something longer. I, I would bet from the player perspective, the Robertson deal plus maybe a the Robertson deal may actually end up being 
the best comp of approach. I'm not saying they should make the same amount of money, but I think the best comp of approach for Caulfield might be the best case scenario to go with that, get a pretty good chunk of change for the next four years, and then have an RFA deal you're built in at the end where the team's got to pay you X amount and you have to, uh, and then you can capitalize on the cap having gone up. So I I think we're going to see a good amount of money go to Cole Caulfield's way. I think the question is just going to be, does he want to kind of play the the financial money game to get more two to three years from now? Or does he want to book it long-term with Montreal now? And um, that's going to be the interesting thing. I don't, I don't think we see the offer sheet play out in this situation just because of how cap strapped a lot of teams are. Um, I, I do hope speaking of, offer sheets i hope the following i hope the year the cap goes up we go crazy with offer sheets like it would just be so fun if like it's like okay everyone's cap space opened up and now all of a sudden rfa season just goes crazy I, I, that would be that would be fun but i don't i don't think this summer's the summer for that and we end with some sad news um we were talking about this prior to the broadcast that you know in today's society you know some things go away and why don't you jump into what's happening as far as a media perspective, yeah. stars coverage. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, we saw today there was the news that a uh, parent company for defending big D um, the parent company for defending big D has is cutting the funding. there, basically cutting the site and they are, it's, it's a site that has, done a lot of good for stars coverage. Yeah. It's, it's a site where there's, there's been some really good writers over there. Um, I've worked personally with guys like Robert Tiffin and David Castillo and T- Taylor Baird, who's the managing editor over there. She's done a great job and I'm forgetting some people too. And so I apologize to anyone I'm forgetting right now, but they have all done a really good job covering the team and have helped kind of build the stars fan community as well and helped invite new fans and, it's it's a shame of what's happening over there. And so I know uh, I can only imagine, I sent Taylor a message this morning. I can only imagine what she's dealing with right now, trying to figure out what's next for this, where she's got some writers who, frankly, we should, we should still be reading within the stars world. And I hope that they figure out the, uh, I, I'm hoping they kind of get some hope and, 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 and not hope, but I hope, I hope that they kind of get a solution um, where, we can still find some of those voices because it's just sad to see how what's been happening in sports media. I, I obviously know a little bit better than most sometimes of how this business can be. And it's always a sad day when someone else goes through it. And from a star's perspective, um, we're going to miss defending big D and hopefully whatever those people do next, hopefully, hopefully it comes back even stronger, but it, it's a sad day to, to see this happen. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I know it might seem repetitive when after every podcast I say, you know, please spread the word. Um, But the reality is in today's society, you know, you have to promote yourself. And, you know, I mean, Sean takes a lot of his time to do this podcast. Um, I, you know, try my best to put on a show that I feel is good for Dallas Stars fans, that's educational for Stars fans, that not just talks about the Stars, but goes into the NHL. So, you know, when we ask you to support, because we want this to grow, because, you know, I mean, we don't look at defending Big D or anyone else as competition. We look at them as friends, 
um, just for the simple fact that more coverage is better for your team. So uh, I agree. Uh, my sentiments, uh, just like yours, Sean, uh, sorry to see that happening. Um, hopefully they might be able to get some funding elsewhere. Uh, but at the at the same time, if you could support us as much as possible, spread the word. We're trying to do the best as possible. Um, and I did want to shout out before we go, uh, Texas Hockey Apparel, um, which is kind of a groundswell effort of uh, some really cool logos. And uh, they, um, one of their uh, first sponsors in locally will be Hannah Bilka. So really cool to see that Hannah is getting some great publicity. I know she's connected with the stars now, and uh, hopefully we'll see her uh, drop a puck soon as she continues to have a great season for Boston College. So, Sean, we will talk to you uh, next week, hopefully after uh, two points against Arizona. Yep, should be a good one. Everyone have a have a wonderful weekend, and uh, yeah, and enjoy it. Are we allowed to say go Cowboys? Hell yeah, we are. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I know. Go, <laughs> go Cowboys. Let's go, go. <laughs> go, go Cowboys. And that game can be heard right here on 105.3 The Fan on Sunday. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you to start next week.